0: Welcome, I'm glad you're with us today. Take your copy of God's Word and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, I will be speaking on the spiritual necessity of gratitude for spiritual stability. The necessity of gratitude for spiritual stability. In God's Word it says in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We are speaking on spiritual stability and the necessity of gratitude. Our society truly admires underdogs those who stand firm, those who hold to their convictions, those who are courageous and bold and cannot be bought, intimidated, or defeated. And if courage of conviction and integrity, credibility, and an uncompromising devotion to virtue are admirable qualities for people for the, of the world, how much more essential are they for the Christian? The very name Christian identifies believers with Jesus Christ, the most perfect model of an uncompromising, courageous man of integrity who lived. The New Testament repeatedly commands believers to follow Him by standing in firm submission to God. Paul was concerned that his beloved Philippian congregation be unwavering in their faith. In verse 1 of this chapter, he tells them to stand fast in the faith. And then he gives them some basic principles in verses 2 through 9. And in those verses, he speaks about how to be spiritually stable. There are the keys here of spiritual stability, such as cultivating harmony in church fellowship. We saw that he's maintaining a spirit of joy and learning to be content. And as we learned the last time, resting in the confidence of faith in the Lord. Well, now over the next few weeks, we're going to consider the last necessities for spiritual stability, that of being gratitude. That is of reacting to problems with a thankful, with thankful prayer. That's our subject today. Next time will be godly thinking about thinking on godly virtues. And last of all will be obedience. And that is by way of obeying God's standard. And so we're talking about the necessity of thankful prayer in all circumstances for spiritual stability. That is reacting to our problems, reacting to the challenges we face in everyday life with thankful prayer. He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. YOU SEE, SPIRITUALLY STABLE PEOPLE REACT TO TRIALS WITH THANKFUL PRAYER. SPIRITUALLY STABLE PEOPLE REACT TO TRIALS WITH THANKFUL PRAYER. SUCH PRAYER IS THE ANTIDOTE TO WORRY AND THE CURE FOR ANXIETY. IT'S THE ANTIDOTE FOR WORRY. WORRY MEANS TO BE STRANGLED. It, it's the idea of being strangled, having the life strangled out of you and its cousin anxiety. So such thankful prayer is the attitude, or is the anecdote, the antidote to worry and the cure for anxiety. A uh, person of note from history named Ben Jennings in his book called The Arena of Prayer, says, realistically, The way you regard prayer is the way you regard God. For prayer is communicating with Him, no other way exists in which we relate to Him. Put simply, low levels of prayer signal a demotion of God in our attitude. High levels of prayer indicate an expectation for a fullness of His presence and His power. How well do you pray? you have a low level of prayer? Then, as he says, then you probably have demoted God in your attitude. Whereas, in the contrary, a high level of prayer speaks to a high promotion of God in your life. So let's begin. There are two main points to today's message. The first is the prayer to God. The prayer to God. letter A, prayer is the cure for worry. Prayer is the cure for worry. So how do we live without anxiety? How do we live without worry, being strangled by our circumstances? There is one primary cure for worry, and that is prayer. HE SAYS IN THIS PASSAGE, IN EVERYTHING BY PRAYER AND SUPPLICATION, WITH THANKSGIVING, LET YOUR REQUEST BE MADE KNOWN UNTO GOD. NOW IN THE CONTEXT, THESE PRAYERS ADDRESS WHATEVER IS CAUSING ANXIETY, WHATEVER IS STEALING OUR PEACE. BECAUSE REMEMBER HE SAYS IN VERSE 6, BE ANXIOUS FOR NOTHING, BUT IN EVERYTHING BY PRAYER he says right there. So I want you to notice something immediately in your Bible. Immediately in your Bible I want you to notice the stark contrast between everything and nothing. The believer is to be anxious for nothing. That's what it says. The believer is to be anxious for nothing, but praying about everything. Praying about everything. Anxious for nothing, praying about everything. It seems like to, that it might be more true that folks are anxious about everything and praying about nothing. But the text says believers are to be anxious for nothing and praying for everything. Everything carries the idea of every troubling situation that threatens the peace of God in your life. Every troubling experience, situation, challenge. Barnes in his notes says, but in everything, what is this everything? Well, everything in reference to supply of your wants and the wants of your family. Everything in respect to affliction, embarrassment, and trials and challenges. Everything in respect to afflictions and related to your spiritual condition. There is nothing which pertains to the body, the mind, the estate, friends, and conflict, losses, trials, hopes, or feels, fears, in the reference to which we may not go and spread it all before the Lord. When He says everything, He means everything. All of it. But I want you to understand something. This is not a theology of prayer. That is not not what is in view here. This text is not a theology of prayer. It is rather the priority and the attitude the believer brings to prayer. It's not what prayer is, it's how you pray. I'm going to explain to you what prayer is in this message, but it is how you pray. The focus is how you come to prayer, how you come, and what you bring. Notice there's three synonyms here in this passage. You have the word prayer, supplications, and requests. Prayers, supplications, and requests. They all refer to specific direct offerings of petition to God. But, the, or rather the assumption is, the text is that believers will cry out to God when they have a need or there is a problem or a challenge that they face, but not with doubting, questioning, or even blaming God. Rather, they come with this word, thanksgiving. This word, thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, "...devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving." with an attitude of thanksgiving. Instead of having a spirit of rebellion against what God allows, believers are to be trusting and cast all their anxiety on Him because He cares for them. That's 1 Peter 5 verse 7. The very first word I learned in Greek was the word luo, which means to cast, to cast upon. That's the very first thing they taught us in Greek. And it comes from this passage, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So the reality is, brothers and sisters, God's promise is support the wisdom of gratitude. God's promises support the wisdom of gratitude. He has promised that no trial believers face will be too difficult for them to handle. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He has also promised to use everything that happens to the believers in their lives for ultimate good. That's Romans 8:28. Even suffering leads to being perfected, confirmed, and strengthened, and established, as it says in 1 Peter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 10. Believers should also be thankful for God's power, for His promises, for the hope of relief from suffering, for the hope of glory, for His mercy, and for His perfecting work in them, as it says in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. But people become worried. They become anxious. They become fearful because they do not trust God's wisdom, His power, and His goodness. This is just a fact of life. Or they fear God is not wise enough, He's not strong enough, and He's not good enough to prevent the disaster. So perhaps it may be that this sinful doubt is because their knowledge of Him is faulty or that sin in their life has crippled their faith. I think that's much more accurate. I think that is much more accurate. It's because their knowledge of Him is faulty. Too many people are relying on secondhand sources as re- in regards to the knowledge of God. When in fact, you have the primary source that has been given, which is the Word of God. That's the primary sources. The primary source of knowing God and knowing what He is about is the Word of God reading it, learning it, and a faulty understanding of God leads to a fear that God is not wise enough, strong enough, or good enough to take care of you, and that His wisdom and power and goodness will not be there when you need it. And consequently, because you believe that, therefore your own sin of ignorance chokes out what little faith you have. But thankful prayer brings release from fear and worry. Thankful prayer brings release from fear and worry because it affirms God's sovereign control over every aspect of our life and that His purpose is the believer's good. Again, Romans 8, 28. So worry's cure is comprehensive prayer. We see the cure for worry is prayer, but, but worry's cure is comprehensive prayer. Paul uses four words for prayer, each making unique contributions to this comprehensive nature. He talks about prayer, supplication, again thanksgiving, and request. You'll notice the first word, prayer. It, this word prayer is the most general term for intercession to God. It is the most general term for intercession to God. It is the standard word that encompasses all of the different elements that should go to God in prayer. The second one is supplication. This is more specific. It comes from a root word which means to lack, or to be deprived of, or to be without something. The specific area in which we lack is something that naturally will create stress and worry in our life. If it's something that we necessarily lack, it will create stress and worry in our life. And instead, we are to bring our concern and our worry about what we are lacking to the Lord. We're to bring that to the Lord. So the very thing that is causing you stress, is causing you anxiety, is causing you worry, you are to bring that to the Lord because you're to be anxious for nothing. Well, then what will happen? Cure. The cure for worry is prayer. You bring it to Him. You lay it out before Him. And we need to trust God that He will answer the prayers and meet the needs according to His perfect will. If He wants it, He will answer it. He'll say yes, no, or wait. But whatever His answer, it will be the perfect answer for you. And it will be the perfect answer for Him. Third, again, it mentions thanksgiving. Now, I've given you an attitude of thanksgiving, but prayer can be a method of thanksgiving, It needs to be part of our prayer. All true prayers will be marked by gratitude. All true prayers will be marked by gratitude. All the same time as recognizing that we are lacking, we must also acknowledge that it is God who provides for us all things. No matter how dire our circumstances, or how lavish His blessings upon His children, the reality is everything, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And our prayers must be seasoned with the attitude of gratitude. So His children need to constantly pray, ask, and offer thanksgiving. I want you to write this down. This is very, very important. There is no shortcut to peace. There is no shortcut to peace. But prayer is the path to it. Prayer is the path to it. The fourth word is requests. The fourth word is requests which instructs us to make known to God the specific needs that we have. Whereas prayer is the general term, supplication is the idea of where I am lacking, thanksgiving is the attitude by which I express it, then these requests is to bring it to Him any requests I have I'm to bring to Him. We should bring our particular request to Him, whatever is troubling us. Bringing specific requests to God is illustrated in the parable Jesus told about prayer in Luke chapter 11, 5 verse 8. A person who is hosting a friend but lacks food to feed him goes to another person to seek what is needed. This host asks not merely for food but specifically for bread. We see that in the passage. He goes specifically for bread. Moreover, we ask specifically for three loaves. He did. He makes specific requests and receives what he needs. Jesus is teaching this. If you need to go to your neighbor's house and you need to borrow sugar, you don't go over and say, hey, may I borrow your sugar? You say, I need three cups of sugar, or a cup of sugar. Uh, So it should be that believers bring similar requests to God in prayer, listen, it is a matter of the smallest things. If you want a detailed answer, you need to bring your prayers in detail before Him. Bring your request before the Lord in detail. There is nothing too small that you're not to speak to Him about. Bring it to Him. It says to do all of it. Be anxious for nothing but in everything, in everything by prayer. Thanksgiving supplications, make your requests known unto God. And so we see the we see the cure for worry with the prayer to God, and then the second point of the message is he speaks of the peace of God. The peace of God. And so let me first of all give you an explanation of peace. I have three points under this. First is the explanation of peace. Once a sinner has made peace with God, that is, in salvation, having ceased to be God's enemy and become God's child, he can enjoy the peace of God and the inward tranquility of the soul that God provides. Understand the peace of God is a confident trust in His flawless wisdom and infinite power that provides calm amid the storms of life. This is just a truth. This is what marks the genuine believer, one of the many things of spiritual fruit. Isaiah wrote that this supernatural peace is the steadfast of the mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. That's Isaiah 26, verse 3. Paul prayed for the Romans that the God of hope would fill them with all joy and peace in believing in Romans 15:13 in his high priestly prayer or excuse me his high priestly blessing on Israel Aaron said the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace in number 6:26 in psalm 29 verse 11 David wrote the Lord will bless his people with peace shortly before his death Jesus promised, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. That was in John 14, 27. But I want you to understand something, and this is just a biblical truth. God's peace is not for everyone. God's peace is not for everyone, however. There is no peace for the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord in Isaiah 48-22, neither with God nor from God. There is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord, neither with God nor from God. Additionally, Paul further defines this supernatural peace as that, notice the text, it says, that which surpasses understanding that surpasses all comprehension. It transcends human intellectual power, human analysis, human insight, and human understanding. It is superior to human scheming and human devices and human solutions. And since its source is the God whose judgments are unsearchable and whose ways are unfathomable, as it says in Romans eleven thirty it is experienced in a transcendent calm that lifts the believer above the most debilitating trial. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced that? See, it's a supernatural work. It resists any human comprehension. It resists any human comprehension. Truly the real challenge of the Christian life is not to eliminate every unpleasant circumstance. It is to trust in the good purpose of our God who is infinite, holy, and sovereign. He is powerful in every difficulty. Those who honor Him by trusting Him will experience the blessing of His perfect peace. Letter be the enjoyment of peace. We've had the explanation of peace. Now let's look at the enjoyment of peace. No matter how your prayer is answered, taking your concern to God in prayer brings His abundant supernatural peace. See, you may not get the answer you want, but you will get the peace that He desires you to have in the midst of it. You may be wanting Him to say yes, and He may say no. He may say no. Wait, but He will answer always with peace if you'll bring it to Him. That's what this passage means, and that's beyond human comprehension. He'll bring you the peace. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, as it says in verse 7. God Himself is called peace in the Bible in Romans 16:20 and Ephesians 2:14. He's called peace. That is all peace exclusively belongs to him alone. And therefore he alone can give peace. No one else can give you this peace, much less the peace that surpasses comprehension. Peace is the Greek word Irene. It's an inner tranquillity of the soul. Now write this down it is an inner response of calm it is an inner response of calm that settles the turbulence of a troubled heart it is the inner response of calm that settles a turbulent heart and it is the result of it is the result of casting our burdens on the lord And that is to be unstressed and undisturbed, or as Paul says, to know peace that surpasses all comprehension. That is, it exceeds human comprehension or explanation. We just can't explain it. We just know we have it. And it is a glorious thing. One person says, a man named Moitier explains what Paul means here. Our lives will be touched with a mark of the supernatural, something that passes all understanding. The meaning here is not of something mysterious or incomprehensible in its own right, but of something which man cannot explain or explain away, something which runs beyond the range of human comprehension. That's the peace. That's the enjoyment of peace that will be yours. There is no explanation for this peace, except that God provides it. It's that God provides it. It is a supernatural peace that is unnatural, flooding the heart and drowning out worry. It drowns out the worry because it floods your heart. And when a believer prays, God may not change their circumstances, but God always changes their heart. When the believer prays, God may not change their circumstances, but He always changes their heart. So we have the explanation of peace, the enjoyment of peace, now let's talk about the experience of peace. The experience of peace, where the water hits the wheel, here is where the rubber hits the road. Notice the word guard. Paul explains this peace will guard the heart and the mind. It will guard the heart and the mind the Greek word for guard is a military term describing a soldier who watches over a prisoner. Paul was being guarded by a Praetorian guard when he wrote this epistle, the most elite soldier of the Roman Empire. He was also being guarded in a far more secure way, however, for God was protecting his heart so that anxiety and fear would not enter in. Fear was being denied an entrance into his heart, not by that human guard, but by the God above, who in all wisdom and power and glory was filling his heart and flooding out the worry. When preceded by prayer, the peace of God is always standing watch like a sentry. That's what this text says, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's guarding your heart and your mind, standing there as a soldier Paul uses the phrase heart and minds. It's not intended here to imply some kind of distinction between the two. This is not a basis to build a theology or a doctrine upon the essence of a man. It's speaking of comprehension. He's making a comprehensive reference to the believer's inner person, his heart and his mind. That is his entire person is being fortified against the attack of worry or anxiety so that it cannot crack the the divine defense that's being offered. It cannot do it. The Christian who prays dependently is guarded against the enemy of worry. You have to pray dependently upon the God above. And then it says in Christ alone, in Christ alone alone. Paul specifies that this inner peace is found in Christ Jesus. It is found in Christ Jesus and the result is this supernatural peace of Christ is all sufficient even in the most turbulent storms of life. Remember Jesus had promised in John 14, 27, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, Do not let your heart be troubled, nor be fearful. This peace comes not from this world or anything in it. Instead it comes down from above, like a surging river into a troubled heart. And such peace is found exclusively in Christ Jesus. Period. There is not a drop of genuine peace outside of Him. Not a moment of relief apart from resting in Him. All peace and all comfort are found in Christ Jesus and in Him alone. Nowhere else, no one else. It is Christ alone. Let me ask you a question. Are you experiencing peace? Do you need this kind of inner tranquility? This peace of God is found exclusively in answering both the call to trust Jesus Christ and is obtained through prayer. And is obtained through prayer. We need to come before His throne of grace and pray. We need to commit our problems and our trials to the Lord. He supplies a perfect peace that is unexplainable and incomprehensible no matter what situation or circumstance we find ourselves in. Going back in time to the days of the martyrs, those who sealed their faith with their blood, there is a familiar story that maybe I can remind you of or inspire you with. When one martyr was about to be burned for the cause of Christ, he said to the judge who was giving the order to put the fire on the pile, he said, will you come and lay your hand upon my heart. The judge did so. Does it beat fast? He asked the judge. Do I show any sign of fear? And the judge said, no. And then he said to the judge, put your hand on your heart and see whether you are not more excited than I am. To which the judge found his heart was pounding and racing and he said, set the fire, put the fire to the pile and burn the man alive. Think of that man of God who on the morning he was burned had to be shaken to be woken up. They had to shake him to wake him up, to get him out of bed to get him out of bed for no other purpose than to be burned alive for his faith in Christ. He was going to be burned and yet, yet knowing that it was going to be so, he he slept so sweetly through the night that when his time came they had to rattle him to wake him up. In the old Diocletian persecutions when the martyrs came into the amphitheater to be torn by the beast or when they were to be set in a red hot iron chair or another was to be smeared with honey so that the bees and the wasps could sting them to death. They never flinched. They never flinched. In fact, in Fox's Book of Martyrs it tells a story of the brave man he was put on a gridiron to be roasted to death. A grill. To be roasted to death. And he said to his persecutors, you have done me on one side, now turn me over for the other. Why this peace under such circumstances? Why is there this peace in such circumstance? And the answer is because the peace of God surpasses all understanding. Here are some questions to ponder as I conclude What are the specific needs in your life? What has been weighing you down? What is burdening you? What has become a millstone around your neck? What is dragging you down? Brothers and sisters, here is the ground where anxiety will flourish. To the answer of all of these. The needs of your life. The thing that is dragging you down, that which is burdening you, that which puts so much pressure upon your neck, that's what's causing your shoulders to be stiff. That is what is the ground of anxiety. Those are the grounds where anxiety will flourish if they are unchecked and unchallenged. But, friend, I want you to know this is also the ground where dependence, trust, and joy may grow. Out of this ground can grow the weed of anxiety or can grow the root and the flower and the wheat of trust and joy and dependence as you pursue God in dependent prayer. It's up to you. What do you want to grow in this ground? Will you bring your request to the Lord? In prayer? Will you bring it to Him? Will you go home today and say, All right, what are the specific needs of my life? What is weighing me down? What is the millstone around my neck? What is dragging me down so low? Will you answer those questions and then take them to the Lord to prayer? Independent prayer. If you're in Christ, you should do no less. But, friend, let me ask you this if you're outside of Christ, you actually have very much to be worried about. You have very much to be worried about. You have great reason to worry because more than you realize, your eternity is going to be filled with nothing but that which is awful. But if you will answer Christ's call, if you will answer Christ's call and turn from your sin, and turn from yourself, and trust Him alone with the saving belief that is described of in Scripture, Christ will receive you and forgive you. That is the gospel call. And you will become the recipient of Christ's abiding peace, which is experienced only in life with Christ, and is elusive when sought anywhere else, and in anything else. I want to close with a story of an African pastor. An African pastor who had made peace with God. He is a man who served God as a missionary to his own people, a pastor to his own people. He was a man of dependent prayer, a man who experienced surpassing peace, peace that surpassed his own comprehension. He was a man who all we have left of him is his quote of what he said for you see he sealed his faith with his blood as well he was a martyr and I want to read to you what he said before he died I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed the die has been cast I have stepped over the line the decision has been made I'm a disciple of His, and I won't look back. I won't let up. I won't slow down. I won't back away or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dream, tame vision, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or tops or recognized or praised or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on His presence, walk in His patience, lift by prayer and labor in the Holy Spirit's power. My face is set, my gate is is fast. My goal is heaven. My road may be narrow. My way may be rough. My companion's few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought. I will not be compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander at the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, I won't shut up, I won't let up until I have stayed up, stored Up, prayed up, and paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must give until I drop, preach until all know, work until He comes, and when He does come for His own, He'll have no problem recognizing me, for all my colors will be clear. My friend, is that your testimony of the peace that you have from God? that comes from prayer that is, grat- that is full of gratitude. For you see, he had the peace that passes all understanding because he had the attitude of gratitude. He was a man who was spiritually stable. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the Word of God. We thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for the peace that You promise us, that You in this passage we're to bring our prayers, our supplications, our thanksgiving and requests to us, to you. And you promise that in those prayers, you will take away our anxiety. So that when it says, be anxious for nothing, we will be anxious for nothing. We've brought it all to you. You tell us to come with the attitude of gratitude in prayer. We're to come with thankful prayer. And you will give us a peaceful attitude. You will give us a peace that transcends our comprehension. This is a promise of Scripture. This is not a proverb. This is a promise. This is a formula. And our peace is directly related to how much of our challenges and promise problems we bring to You. And so, Lord, let us bring, as the text says, everything to You. Remind us, O oh God, burn this Word into our heart and find us in an attitude of gratitude, in an attitude of prayer coming to you all the time, always, that it may not ever be laid as a charge against us that we're anxious for anything, but indeed we are anxious for nothing but praying for everything. We ask this believing in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen.